And we welcome you watching online uh, as well. Uh, last week, we, we talked about Jesus uh, showing up on the shoreline to the apostles. There's seven of them uh, out fishing. And as I talked about last week, uh, after Jesus resurrected from the dead, he would appear randomly for 40 days and they never knew when he was gonna come and they didn't know when he was gonna leave. Uh, and so they had to be in this continual state of just like being ready, uh, be, being in anticipation for, for him to come back. Uh, and, and so they're fishing, seven of them. It's not working. They don't catch anything. Jesus appears on the shore, but they don't know it's him. And he says, listen, and this is after uh, fishing for all night. He says, cast your net on the, net on the other side and, uh, and they respond. They do it. And their nets are full of fish. They come back to the shore. They realize it's Jesus and he's prepared breakfast for them and they're eating together. And then we pick up in John chapter 21 and we'll look at verses 15 through 17. It says this, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Okay, now what I love about this section uh, in scripture is John, the writer, brings it back to Peter. And he brings it back to Peter because by John's account, what, what, what was kind of the last major scene uh, with Peter, right? Now we know he had been with John when they went to the tomb and the tomb was empty. But the last major scene that we see with Peter is him denying Jesus three times, right? Literally denying it publicly, um, failing in epic proportions, uh, after Jesus had said you would do this and him saying, no, I will never do that, God. I love you more than all of them. I will suffer death for you. And then he denies Jesus three times. And so John brings us back to Peter here so that uh, we can address publicly um, what, uh, where, how Jesus deals with him because they needed to see this. The disciples needed to see how Jesus was gonna deal with Peter. We need to see how Jesus dealt with Peter because what we see here is one of the greatest displays of mercy uh, that you can see as Jesus not only um, treats him in a merciful way, but then recommissions him for ministry. And the other disciples had to see this and we had to see it. We have to see it because uh, essentially you and I fail him, don't we? The disciples had done what? They had abandoned him. And so they needed to see how Jesus uh, interacted with Peter and how he brings him back uh, into uh, ministry. And as, as, as we look at uh, how he addresses this, now we know that Peter and Jesus had met privately from the other gospels, but this here is Jesus reinstating him in a public way. 
You guys, I, w- I wanna just tell you something. If you are new to church and, and just all of this, God is a merciful God. He is full of mercy. And this is what we're gonna see here. But we see Jesus ask Peter what? He says, do you love me more than these? Now, when he asked, do you love me more than these? He's most likely referring to the other disciples. Now, this strikes a chord because, you know, Peter had highlighted how his love was uh, greater. Uh, you know, like I said, this is, this is a guy right now in this moment who is broken. I mean, he's broken. All of the pride, uh, the arrogance, the, the, the feeling of I'm, my faith is un, unshakable, I'm untouchable, whatever. I, if anybody's gonna do something for you, Jesus, it's gonna be me. All of that is completely broken out of him because of his failure. And so here he is, he is humble. Uh, he's just, he's there, zero expectations anymore. And Jesus just says, do you love me more than these? And Peter's response just shows you you uh, where he's at. He just says, yes, you know, I love you. And you see this submissiveness. You see this humility in his response. Now, when you look at how Jesus asks him, uh, do you love me? Uh, The word he uses for love is agape, uh, which is the ultimate sacrificial love uh, in the Greek. And uh, Peter responds with phileo, which is friendship love. Now, some think uh, that because of the differences here that Jesus is asking Peter to a greater kind of love. um, But John used those terms, uh, phileo and agape, interchangeably uh, throughout the book of John. So it's most likely just a style preference for uh, John, but the key issue here is what? The key issue is Peter's love for Jesus. That's the key issue. And just as that's the key issue for Peter, that's the key issue for you and me today. Is Jesus asking, do you love me? I want to sit on that for a moment. Just think about that. Think about that question. Do you love me? See, a lawyer asked Jesus in Matthew 22 what the greatest commandment was, and Jesus responded to the Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. So that's the greatest. That's first and foremost, that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Will you love me? And Paul in 1 Corinthians 5.14, he says, for the love of Christ controls us. The love of Christ controls us. The ministry doesn't control us. The agenda doesn't control us. The success of what happens doesn't control us. He says, the love of Christ controls us. That drives everything else. Everything else flows from that. Do you hear this? This is where it all begins. The most important thing a disciple can do is to love Jesus. That's the most important thing. 
And, and so this has to be the source uh, of, of, of their motivation uh, of any disciple. It has to be their source of motivation. And it especially should be important for anybody leading a church. And, and, and you guys, I'll just, man, this has been the thing that I would say God has been working on my heart more than absolutely anything else. Because I, I, I'll tell you what, I, I, I think for me, it's, it's very easy to get caught up in uh, anticipating what's coming, uh, trying to react, trying to lead well, trying to honor God, trying to do what God's asking me to do uh, and, 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 and look ahead, right? There's, there's a challenge. That's probably gonna happen. What are we gonna do about that? Or we need to make this decision. What do we do here? And God, this is for you. And I'm gonna do my best uh, for you. And I was at a conference like uh, towards the end of this last year. And I was there. And, uh, and a pastor was just kind of sharing uh, this, this just this moment of just despair that, that he had found himself in. And, and as he was in that moment of just despair, just like, I'm done, uh, we can't keep going. Uh, he says, man, the words of Jesus just spoke to him. And the words were, do you love me? Do you love me? And as I was listening to that guy talk, I wasn't feeling how he was feeling, but I was like, man, and I wrote it down. And then, you know, we, we went through the year, we finished the year. And then, man, I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but man, the finish uh, to my 2021, it wasn't this like, right across the finish line. It was like limping. And we did it, right? And I remember I took uh, that next week off after you know Christmas Eve and that. And, and as I sat there processing, I was just so drained emotionally, spiritually. And, um, and, and I remember just, just going, man, why am, I, why am I feeling this way? And it was just different. And, and what... I, I went back on as I was just reflecting during this time period was what I had written down at that conference. And the question was, do you love me? And then the words from Jesus were really clear to me. Steve, will you just love me? Will you just love me? Stop with all of these things, will you just love me? And I know you're like, man, I've heard that before. Uh, and, and maybe you grew up here and love Jesus, love Jesus your whole life. But I'll tell you what, guys, that kind of rocked me. It really rocked me. As I, as I removed all of the things that I thought loving God meant and, and, and all of these other things, it was that simple question that just broke me down and it literally has changed uh, so much in my life in just even the last month in response to that question. Will you just love me? And guys, maybe that's the question you need to hear. In fact, I know you do. Will you just love me? In response to Jesus' question, Peter declares, yes, I love you. And Jesus says what? He says, feed my lambs. Man, this is big. 
<laughs> and Peter's response going, yes, I love you. Notice Jesus doesn't say, well, too bad. How many chances did you get? Well, it's too late now. You, you know, that was your prime time right there and you failed that, so too bad. No, what Jesus does here is huge and is monumental for all of us to see. Jesus doesn't remind him of his failures and his faults uh, and he doesn't do this in a public setting. What he does is he says, okay, well, here we go. Feed my lambs. Here we go. Feed my lambs. He is literally restoring and commissioning Peter to apostleship, to leadership. And, and this is his mercy on display right here, you guys. This is his mercy. Uh, God is so merciful. Um, and, and also notice the image changes as well from the calling to be a fisherman to what? To a shepherd. And so you guys, uh, as he's called to do this, uh, what, we, what we see is uh, like the calling to shepherd is also a, a, a still a calling to evangelize, okay? The shepherd part is to help lead and guide the flock uh, after they've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, but now you got to shepherd and, and lead them. And, and he's putting Peter into this role, uh, but we see that, man, there, this role is so important because you need to share your faith. You need to preach about the hope that lies within you. And then you also need to be prepared to help people walk through that and grow in that. Uh, Paul, writing to the young pastor, uh, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4, five, uh, he says, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure the suffering. And he says, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So, so we're called to evangelize, but we need to, now we see this, this, this shift here where he's saying, you got to shepherd the flock, shepherd the people, shepherd the Jesus followers. And then continuing uh, to reinforce the, the, the supremacy of love over everything else. He once again, what? He asks, he says, do you love me? Second time. Then a third time. Do you love me? And, 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 and Peter, all three times, he's like, yes. And you know, I love you. You know, all things, Jesus, you know, I love you. And so Jesus then says, what? He says, <laughs> he says, tend my sheep and feed my sheep. Loving Jesus meant feeding and leading Jesus' sheep, the young and the old. And that's the task of any spiritual shepherd. In fact, uh, writing to leaders in the church in 1 Peter 5, 2, Peter says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under, under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. But it all flows from love, you guys. It has to flow from this love. Now, why did Jesus put so much emphasis on feeding the sheep, right? He, he emphasizes it over and over and over again. Well, you guys, when, when the sheep are fed, and if you're confused, we're the sheep, okay? And it's not a compliment. So you shouldn't just go, <laughs> no, it, unfortunately, it's, it's, it's not. Uh, but because why? Sheep are ignorant, they're defenseless, they wander off, they're all these things, right? Uh, but when, when you look at why is it important to feed uh, the sheep, what, what, what are we supposed to, to free, feed? Well, well, we're supposed to be fed God's word. That's what you feed the sheep. And as someone is fed, they grow and they develop uh, and, and they are strong and they are able to live out confidently God's plan and will for their life, right? Because they're healthy. 
Okay, that, and I was, uh, I was walking out the door at work this week and this, this younger guy had his little baby. And man, a new baby, they're the best, right? And, and, and like, he's holding it in his palm, just against his shoulder. He's just walking by and the baby's just like, you know, just staring at me. And, uh, and I was like, man, I miss that stage. I mean, he's got control of that baby in the palm of his hand. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm, I'm getting crushed, <laughs> right? Uh, and, and I was like, man, that was a great stage. They didn't argue, they didn't talk back, they went to bed, like, you know, all these things, you know, in my head. And, uh, but but I, I was thinking about like, just how, you know, that baby's not, that baby changed they, their world. The baby's not changing the world. The baby's not making a difference in culture right now, right? That that baby has to be fed, grown, developed. Uh, it, it's it's got to be nourished properly and all of that to grow up to be a, a healthy and strong baby. And you guys, we, uh, as Jesus followers, as sheep, we need to grow. We need to develop. We need to be strong. And in order to do that, we got to be fed. And we got to be fed on God's word. And guys, that's our commitment here. That's why we should preach God's word. Whether you go, man, that section's really boring or not, we're gonna preach God's word. And that's gonna help you grow. That's gonna help you mature. That's gonna give you understanding because you have to have that. Otherwise, you are not gonna be um, prepared and ready for whatever it is that God has for you. Guys, uh, in fact, I don't wanna ask you to raise your hand, but very rarely does your life end up how you thought it would. So you don't know. So you gotta be prepared. And that's why it's so important. And that's why he's like, you gotta feed the flock. You gotta tend. So it's, it's, it's feeding, but it's leading, right? You gotta help them. You gotta, uh, you gotta be a defender because what? There's, there's wolves, there's people attacking uh, the, 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 the sheep, the, the, the church, and people are gonna be after you. And, and guys, this isn't just this thing that, oh, well, I'm not a shepherd, I don't think, so that's not really my thing. No, we're all a part of protecting and perfecting the flock. We're all, if you're a Jesus follower, you're in the flock and you need to care about each other and you need to help defend each other. And even more so right now, when one of you wanders off, you need to notice that person and you need to go out of your way to help them. I think one of the great dangers in the last couple of years is everything that's happened is, is, is created this insulation to where we can't see beyond ourselves anymore. And we just think about our own issues and our own choices and our own realities. And we're missing out that, man, so many other Jesus followers are wandering off. They're losing it. And you're the one that knows them. You gotta help them, draw them back in. That's not just for a shepherd title to, to go do, uh, you guys. And when I say that title, pastor literally means shepherd. But, but guys, this is on all of us to care for the flock. We all naturally wonder, okay? Also, we have to remember that Jesus is the chief shepherd, Okay, uh, in, uh, in, in 1 Peter 5, 4, as he's continuing to write to these church leaders, it says, he says, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Okay, so Jesus is the chief shepherd. Notice that Jesus didn't say, hey, Peter, take care of your flock and feed your sheep. He said, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, and feed my sheep. You guys, the sheep are Jesus's, not Peter's. 
Jesus didn't tell Peter to build his church. In fact, Jesus says, I'll take care of that myself. In, in Matthew 16, 18, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says, I will build my church. Okay, so that's not Peter's job. <laughs> See, those who are called uh, as pastors, unfortunately, uh, it's really, you're an under-shepherd. So I'm talking to myself, right? It's not this high calling. I probably won't change. I think my title's lead pastor. I probably won't change it to under shepherd. Just doesn't sound great. But uh, that's the reality of my call. I'm just the under shepherd, under the chief shepherd, given the task of tending Jesus's sheep. John tells us that when Jesus asked Peter the same question for a third time, that Peter was grieved. He's grieved. Uh, Why is he grieved? Well, Right then, after Jesus asks a third time, he's reminded of that failure. He's reminded of that moment. And he's just grieving what happened. Can't believe I did that. I can't believe I let him down. I'm a failure. All these thoughts that you know he's working through in his mind as he hears Jesus ask him the third time. But Jesus is also in this moment going, let's go. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? I know you did this. We all know you did this, but I'm saying, let's go. You've got a role and a task that I have commissioned you to do. You're not done yet. And in verses 18 and 19, we continue and it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This, he said, to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So Jesus had just given purpose to Peter's uh, life, and now he speaks to Peter's death, and he gives purpose to it as well. See, there would, there would come a time uh, when others would arrest Peter, they would bind him uh, up, and then they would lead him away to be executed. And tradition tells us that Peter was crucified, but that he was uh, crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy to die exactly as Jesus had. He asks them to crucify him upside down. But Peter's death wouldn't be a tragedy. We read, right? This isn't a tragedy story. He says, no, this is going to glorify God. This is the story that's going to glorify God. And what we see is this conversation took place almost a little over 30 years before Peter was killed in Rome. Over 30 years. Can you imagine carrying that with you every day? Jesus has said, this is how you're gonna die uh, and this is what's gonna happen. And you're every day waking up going, well, I'm gonna die. 
and this is what's gonna happen. But what is so beautiful is we see that Peter, in spite of knowing that, he carries that with him for the next 30 plus years, ultimately all the way to a cross, and we see an incredible finish in his life. In fact, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 13 and 14, uh, and, and he's writing this, he's close to, to, to being killed, and, and he says this, I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. He says, listen, I know I'm at the end, but with every ounce that's left in me, I am gonna push. I am gonna help try and stir you up to greater faith, to a greater depth of love in your relationship with Jesus. You guys, this isn't a guy that, that Jesus said, hey, you're gonna die, and he gave up and said, oh, well, that's done. No, this is a guy that was determined to finish well, to finish all the way to the end. And so I wanna just like challenge you. If you are in the older generation right now in this room or watching online, you have an incredible opportunity right now to finish well. You have an opportunity to glorify God by how you live out the rest of your time here. You have incredible purpose and you are vital to this church. And I want you to hear me say that. I don't care how many youth, college students, young families we have here, you and our older generations, you are vital, you are essential because we need to see what it looks like to finish well. We need to see what it looks like to not only preach God's word, but to live God's word. And, and guys, uh, who are we looking to for guidance? Those that have gone before us, right? Like, I don't, I don't like, hey, I don't like talk to the college students about my parenting issues. I don't go, hey guys, what do you think I should do? Uh, I don't know. We should, maybe you should do that. Like, no, I find someone who's got grown kids, right? Who's been there, who's walked that. Guys, when I'm having pastor struggles, I don't find someone who's like my peer and go, hey man, what are you doing? Like this and that, what do you think? And then they're like, I don't know. I've never gone through this either. It's like, oh, cool, let's have a pity party. Like, no, I'm trying to find the older pastor that's got lots of tread on the tires, that's been through tons of unexpected, unanticipated events and has been faithful in that. You guys, we are in a weird day and age where more and more people are failing at the tail end of their life than I've ever seen. We're seeing more divorces that are happening after 30 and 40 years of marriage than ever before. And more and more, we're seeing things come out in the older generation before they pass away. And it is heart breaking. And so I want to encourage you, if you're like, ah, now it's time to just relax. Stop. Keep relaxing. But you're not done. And this actually could be the best phase of your whole life, where God uses this season to glorify him that carries on a legacy that 30, 40 years ago, you may not have even had the opportunity to do. And so I wanna encourage you to look at this and read these words as this guy knows he's going away. He knows Jesus has called it. The writing's on the wall. Nero's the emperor. We know what he does to Christians. It's over. But with every last breath, he's gonna finish well. Guard your heart and fulfill your calling to the very end. And then in verses 20 through 23, 
We read, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. But Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Okay, so here we are. Peter, uh, Peter heard uh, John walking behind them. He's, he's walking with Jesus. They're having this conversation. And John's there. They didn't like, this isn't like a private thing. John's there. John wants to follow Jesus. And so John's listening in. And, and, so, and so Peter, uh, in one moment, notices John and says, hey, Jesus, what about him? You just, you just, uh, you just said what's going to happen to me. What about him? Now, I don't know about you, but I read it and I go, again? Man, you take your eyes off of Jesus again? Come on, man. Jesus has just recommissioned you and, and said all these things. I mean, he just told, told you you're going to be a martyr. Uh, you're going to die for your faith. It's going to glorify him. And literally he said, follow me. And, and then here you are again, noticing someone else, taking your eyes off Jesus. And you go, okay, Jesus, uh, I heard what you said about me. And that sounds rough. What about him? What's, what's going to happen with John? And in that moment, I go, man, once again, we are so like Peter. We just are, right? If I'm suffering, God, why aren't they suffering? God, you see, make it happen. It's not fair, okay? In fact, I live, I, I do more for you than them. So make them suffer. Or God, they were blessed. They got that opportunity. They, that situation worked itself out for them, okay? Where's mine? Where's my blessing? I've done what they've done. Where is it, right? Uh, it's amazing how good my kids are at keeping score. They're phenomenal at it. Every time there's favoritism, they tell me because they're keeping score. Where do you think they get that? You guys, we do the same thing with God. We're phenomenal at keeping score with God, aren't we? and reminding him of what he hasn't done for us that he's done for someone else or reminding him how we're the only ones going through this, but they're uh, not. And just as Jesus said to Peter, what I want to do with him is none of your business. Jesus is telling you and me today, hey, guess what? That person over there, I've got my own special plan and purpose with their life and it's none of your business. You follow me. You follow me. Follow me. Just follow me and do what I ask you to do. Guys, we have to stay focused on Jesus. You have to. If you don't, you will be distracted and you will get caught up and keeping score and other people's lives. And that's why in Hebrews chapter 12, one and two, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We are called to look to Jesus. So the moment that I start to become distracted with someone else's life, with someone else's journey or critiquing what God's doing in their life or the blessings they have or why things seem to be working out for them and not me, the moment I go there, my eyes are no longer on Jesus and now I'm distracted and now I'm being disobedient and potentially now I'm, I'm completely taking myself out of the will of God. And so we've got to get back to the place where we are just focused on Jesus and that's enough for you. And his story for you is enough for you. And what he's doing in your life and what he wants to do is enough for you. Stop comparing. Just stop. You are going to rob, you're going to rob yourself from what God wants to do. And, 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 and you're going to miss out. So we have to stop that. And guys, this is not me also saying you shouldn't care at all about other people. I'm not saying that. Oh, they're self-destructing, but, but Steve said, stay focused on Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. You know I'm not saying that. We are called to what? To go help people, to restore people, to love people, to bear one another burdens. So that's not what I'm saying. What I'm talking about is when my curiosity, and then it becomes more than curiosity, takes over into somebody else's lane. Now, we see that these words here were taken out of context. Uh, John tells us that, that Jesus' answer came to be widely misinterpreted among Christians. Many thought that uh, what Jesus was saying here was that John would, would not die until he returned, but John denies that that's what Jesus meant here. And then we see the finish to the book. In verses 24 and 25, it says this, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things. And we know that his testimony is true. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. I love that. As John closes his book, he affirmed again the credibility of his witness. He says, listen, I was there. I, I've seen these things. I've witnessed them. And I wrote these things down through the, the influence of the Holy Spirit. And, and not only did I write down for you these things, but there's so many other things that Jesus said that Jesus did. So many that, 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 that there's not enough books that could write all the things that Jesus did. I don't know, but when I read that, I go, I wonder what they were. And that's an exciting thought, right? Because we get maybe 59 partial days of Jesus's life in the gospels. Isn't that crazy? That's it. And there's so much more time there where Jesus did so much. But you guys, the question from God to us is this this morning. Do you love me? Do you love me? I'm not asking, do you believe? I'm not asking, 
Do you understand? I'm not asking, do you pray or do you read your Bible or do you attend church or even do you want eternal life or even do you have a relationship with him? That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, do you love him? Do you love him? It's different, isn't it? When you think about it like that. Guys, I... My anniversary is this week and I was thinking about my marriage and I, I, didn't, I didn't marry my wife because we were compatible and I thought we'd be great roommates. I said I do to this woman because I loved her more than any other human being on the planet. And so I made a commitment before God to enter into that marriage. No one forced me or anything. It was motivated and driven by one thing, love. And you guys, Jesus loves you more than, more than you could ever love another person. Every single one of you. He sent his only son to die for you. He loves you that much. He made a way for you because, because he loves you that much. And we, the church, are called what in scripture? We're called the bride of Christ. And so literally, Jesus has just said, I love you like this. And, 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 and I just, I, I think about like me choosing not to receive that love or, or even greater. And this is the worst Okay, because when, when I see people standing and I get to do weddings all the time and when people are standing and they're about to get married, there's always that, that moment, right? When, when the bride walks down the aisle and the groom almost every time starts tearing up and losing it. And if they maintain then, if they're doing their own vows, he for sure loses it there. And, 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 and I think part of what makes that moment so huge is, is, is you understand I'm making the biggest commitment I've ever made to love this person. But what's so overwhelming is this other person is standing there and they're reciprocating that love to me back. And that's an overwhelming feeling, isn't it? To know that they're, they want to love you back like you love them. But you guys, you know what I've seen that hurts more than anything is when you see a marriage break up and there's heartbrokenness over the fact that that person doesn't want to reciprocate my love anymore. Guys, I want you to imagine how it feels to be God and that we as his bride would choose after all he's done the love that he has extended to you for me to say, huh, but I'm not gonna give that love in return. I'm not gonna reciprocate that. That hurts. That hurts. So guys, this isn't about how much you can do for him. This isn't about your consistency. This isn't about how good you look on paper or your compatibility with this uh, Christian faith. This is just him asking, will you love me? 
And some of you said, yeah, yeah, I did that as a kid or I've said that before, but okay, then do you love him? Do you love him right now? And guys, that's what, that's what's been tearing me up. And maybe that's all you needed to hear this morning. Maybe you just needed to hear that Peter's failures didn't define him or stop the mercy and the grace of God from being displayed. You're not done, okay? You're not done. Get up. And then lastly, guys, let's finish well. Let's finish the race well. You know, I addressed our older generation, but you can make the decision now, right? Peter made the decision 30 years beforehand that he was gonna finish well. And, and so Jesus invites you to love him and to follow him. And you can make that decision now and, and you can go on this incredible journey that will lead to a finish that will glorify God. And that's it, that's it. And so church, that's what we wanna do collectively. And that's all I wanna see in you individually. And I know if you'll do that, keeping your eyes fixed and focused on Jesus, He's gonna write a story that you could never write for yourself and it is going to, it's gonna blow you away, okay? Trust him this morning, all right? Let's pray.